0: Hey, thanks so much, uh, guys, for sharing. That was awesome. And they're going to be outside uh, under the portico. If you guys have questions for them, they'll be outside after the service, and I would be more than happy to talk with you. All right, junior church is dismissed. Finally, right, guys? uh, Ages 5 to 5th grade. Have fun for the remainder of our time together today. So uh, we will continue to hear more about um, how PFC supports uh, missions and missionaries. Uh, we're going to hear uh, updates the first Sunday of every month. That's a good rhythm for us as a church uh, so that we keep this on our radar, so that we keep hearing about God's work all around the world and how we can pray uh, for our different missions and missionaries. There's a few bonus ones sprinkled in. Uh, in fact, in two weeks, uh, Pastor Antoine's going to be here. And we'll be sharing about what God is doing in Haiti. Uh, Pastor Antoine's a missionary that our friends at North Point Church have supported for many years. And uh, he'll be with us uh, in two weeks. And then also, uh, and, and all this is in your, in your bulletin under the uh, section called uh, Coming Up. Or I forget what Kristen called it. But it's stuff, it, it's all in the bulletin. But keep this date on your radar as well. Tuesday, September 27th, 6 o'clock. Uh, David Nelson, who serves with Crossing Cultures International, uh, and again has been supported uh, over the years by North Point, will be coming to share an update about his ministry. So that's happening on September 27th. Um, This is who PFC is. This is who we are. We are a church that supports and sends men and women to do God's work in our city, in uh, the southeast part of Pennsylvania, and all around the world. This is who we are. Welcome to PFC, a people following Christ. I'm Dave Hakes. I'm one of the pastors here at Parker Ford. I'm one of the many Daves around here. Lots of Daves, too many to count. It's kind of a joke now. Uh, Dave Folk in the back, Dave Lawrence up here, Daves everywhere. But it's good to be with you this morning. It's been a joy uh, to continue to get to know many of you Uh, Sometimes it's intentional and sometimes we just randomly run into each other like at infinitos, you know Uh, Good times, but uh, getting to know each and every one of you is is a gift. It's a privilege. It's awesome For the next few minutes. I want to share with you about another really really cool church Uh, A very diverse church at a strategic location that was on mission for Christ There was no doubt at this ecclesia at this gathering at this movement of of Christ followers that there was no doubt that God was present in their midst. There was no doubt that God was calling the shots, that he was initiating his plan and purposes. It was a healthy and a growing church because healthy things grow. But do you know what their secret was? Do you know what what their secret sauce was, so to speak? Well, that's what I wanna unpack for us in our few remaining moments this morning. But a little bit of background information for you as we uh, talk about this church. We're talking about this ancient church in the in the first century, later part of the first century, located in Antioch in Syria. Uh, it was about 300 miles north of uh, Jerusalem, right uh, about 20 miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, its current city is uh, Antakya, Turkey. I don't know if I said that correctly, but um, it. Uh, the ancient city lends its name uh to the current city Antioch it was one of the top five cities in the Roman world it was a major and influential city its population was around 300,000 people it was a large city in the time before Jesus and after Jesus's ministry it was a cosmopolitan and international city very diverse people from various parts of the world had come to Antioch to live um it was filled with all sorts of, of pagan temples and uh, man-made religious, uh, pagan religions. It was influenced by Greek and Roman culture, all right? There were gymnasiums, there were these outdoor theaters for the performing arts, for music festivals, for plays and dramas. It was a major city. And in this major city is this church that we're going to talk about today and for the next uh, couple of weeks. We read about this church in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 11. I invite you there if you have your Bible with you or your Bible app, or you can follow along on the screen because I am so nice. I I copy and paste the Bible for us on the screen so you can follow along, and I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Acts chapter 11, uh, beginning in verse 19. It says, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death, uh, Stephen was, uh, you can read about him in Acts chapter 7, he was, one of the, he was the first Christian martyr. And so the Christians are scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death. They travel as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. That's our place. Uh, they preach the word of God, but only to Jews. However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. And so this was, a, this was a game changer. They started preaching the gospel to Greek-speaking people. And I love verse 21. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. Uh, it was kind of cool. This past week, uh, our friend Josh Park, who's the pastor of Branch Life Church, uh, he lives in Coventry Glen here. He stopped by. And he's like, hey, guys, I just want to stop by and say hi. And uh, we prayed together. But at the the very start, he's like, guys, I got some exciting news to share. He's like, somebody that we just recently got to know here in Coventry Glen, uh, someone who's kind of in a desperate situation, has pancreatic cancer. um, You guys need to know that he just gave his life to Christ, right? He just turned to the Lord. He just committed his heart and his life. Uh, to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so we're like, yeah, that is awesome. You need to know that's happening right here, right here. But that's what it was like for this church in Antioch. People were turning to the Lord. Verse 22, when the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When people's lives are transformed, the news gets out. The news travels, it traveled all the way to Jerusalem. And they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, right? People are turning to the Lord. They are sharing the, the, the good news about Jesus in the Greek language so that people can understand. When Barnabas saw this, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. And many people were brought to the Lord. It's kind of a theme throughout. People turning to the Lord, people being brought to the Lord. Barnabas encouraged the church, the gathering there, to stay true to the Lord with devoted hearts, as another translation says. And understand, like this is a pagan culture. This is this is a culture with a lot of different religions. It's a large city with all these glittering distractions pagan practices, it was in a city of beauty and prosperity, people coming and going all over the world, and Barnabas is like, don't get distracted, don't lose focus here, stay true to the Lord with devoted hearts. And I love how Luke, who's writing this, um, he's writing this to his friend Theophilus, he's writing about, uh, well, he wrote the Gospel of Luke, which we just wrapped up uh, last week, but he's also writing this book of Acts. He's writing about all the things that happened after Jesus' ascension. And as Luke is, is, is thinking back about this, he can't help but say, Oh, Barnabas, man, I wish you knew him. Guy was a good man. He was a good man. Do you know any people like that? People that are full, it says he was a good man because he was full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith. For those of you who are here on Friday um, for uh, Mr. Ron Whistler's memorial service, uh, you heard person after person come up here and share that sentiment. Ron was a good guy. He was a good man. He was a good man because he was connected to the, to the spirit of God. And he just dripped the fruit of that spirit of love and joy and peace. And patience and kindness, goodness, faithfulness. He was strong in the faith. Verse 25 then Barnabas went up to Tarsus to look for Saul. Tarsus was uh, up and around the bend of the Mediterranean Sea. And so um, I wonder if Barnabas is like, oh, Saul has to see and experience what I'm seeing here. At this church in Antioch. Something amazing is happening. So he goes and finds Saul. He finds him, brings him back to Antioch. Both of them stay there. Um, both of them stay there with the church for a full year. Teaching large large crowds of people. And then we have this, uh, this parenthesis. And we were, where's, where's Josh? Hafer's? Hey, oh, I think he's on security today. Anyway, he was teaching one of the Sunday school classes today. And he's like, I love parentheses." So anyway, he would appreciate this. In, in parentheses it says, it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Now, uh, people outside the church are looking in at this amazing group of people in Antioch, and they're like, these people, they talk the talk, they walk the walk. These people look a lot like Jesus. And I know that they were saying this sarcastically, Right, they were kind of like poking fun at these people in this church. They were saying, literally, they're little Christ's. They're little Christ's. They're, they're Christians. But I think the people in this church in Antioch were like, that is the ultimate compliment. That means that we are doing something right. right? That we are actually looking like and sounding like Jesus in our city. Pretty awesome. Verse twenty-seven. Did I get through? Yes, I did. Verse 27, during this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. Prophets were people who proclaimed the word of the Lord. They also sometimes would predict the future. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. And this was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. So we see here there's prophets. They predict that there's going to be a famine, and it happened. And all the believers in this church in Antioch were just like, our thoughts and our prayers are with the people in Judea. Well, they probably did that, but they went above and beyond that, right? What what, what does it say? They they gave as much as they could. They sent relief to these people that were suffering, that were starving to death. So there's this spirit of generosity that is permeating the church there in Antioch, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a couple weeks. But now flip over to Acts 13. I want to catch the first three verses of this chapter. Acts 13, this is where we begin to see their like secret sauce. Like What, what is making this church uh, so healthy, and, and why is the Spirit alive and well in this church? It's more than just their generosity. And Luke begins by talking about some prophets and teachers in this church. And again, this, ch- this is a church that had been growing for several years. It was a mixed church of Jews and Gentiles that were all brought together. Quite a mix, and and as we're going to see, there was, when you bring people that, you know, are very different, when you bring diversity together, diverse groups of people, oftentimes there can be some tension, there can be some issues, there can be some conflict. And so Brandon is going to walk us through that next week, uh, how they handled conflict. Pretty awesome stuff. But Luke here gives a short list of these prophets and teachers in this church. Again, prophets proclaimed the word of the Lord Teachers taught the the, the message of Jesus so that people could understand. They would teach the stories of Jesus. So there's five people that Luke lists. And you can see even like the the diversity of these people. So among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas. And uh, we know, we we hear about Barnabas in Luke chapter 4. He was a priest. He was from the island of Cyprus. He had a deep connection with the church in Jerusalem. And as we just saw, he was a good man. He was a good man. And then there's Simeon. Simeon uh, called the black man. He was from northern Africa. He's from out of town and he is there in this church in Antioch. And then there's Lucius from Cyrene, also from North Africa. And then there's Manian, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas. Which is the son of Herod the Great, the one who, John the Baptist, you know, and so Manian and uh, King uh, um, Herod Tetrarch, as he's also referred to, uh, they grew up together. They were educated together, and so there's like some some uh, there's there's some political connections in this church. There's there's some social status in this church of Antioch, and then last but not least is Saul. Uh, who's a conservative, devout, pharisaic Jew. Five leaders, five um, prophets, five teachers in this church. What a beautiful, diverse, but very mixed bag of leadership. Now, get ready. Verse 2. Here it is. One day, as these men were, what were they doing? Can we say it together? As they were worshiping the Lord and say it together, fasting. Let's try that again. As they were Worshipping the Lord and fasting, so they're they're worshiping. uh, They're literally serving the Lord, ministering to the Lord, as another translation says. The Greek word for worshiping or serving here is where we get our English word liturgy, but it's not like what you might think. Uh, In the Greek Old Testament, it was used to describe the work and activity of the priests in the temple and the tabernacle, and so. They were ministering to the Lord. They were busy about the work of the Lord, serving the Lord, worshiping Him. You know, they're, they're stacking up chairs after the, after the service in the temple, you know, and, they're, and they're, they're like praising and worshiping. You know, great is the Lord. Great is the Lord. He is holy and just. By His power, we trust in His love. Great is the Lord. He is faithful and true. By His mercy, He proves He is love. They're going about the Lord's work, but they're just calling out God's greatness and God's goodness, they may have been jumping around too. And was it Julian jumping high? Jumping high as they're worshiping and serving the Lord. Also, part of their work and ministry to the Lord was fasting. And so their fasting is part of their service to the Lord. We don't know the details of this fasting here in Acts 13, but but we need to understand this was actually a regular practice, regular part of their ministry. It was not optional, it wasn't just like once in a while, this like was what they did. In fact, uh, according to church tradition, a lot of of folks fasted every Wednesday and Friday just to remember Jesus' betrayal, remember Jesus' crucifixion, to put themselves in a position where they hungered for more of God, hungered to hear the word of the Lord. Fasting was a significant part of the worship experience. So what do you think happened as these men are worshiping the Lord and fasting? What do you think happened? I think it's similar to what Evan just shared just a moment ago. As they're worshiping, the Holy Spirit said. As they're worshiping, as they're fasting, all of a sudden they hear the voice of God through His Spirit. Holy Spirit said this, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. They don't just send these guys out and go, okay, well, uh, we're supposed to send, uh, we're supposed to appoint them for this work, okay, we're going to appoint them and send them out. But look what they do after this, verse 3. So after (laughs) even more fasting and prayer, more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. They lay hands on them, officially commissioning them, placing authority on them, designating them for the ministry that God had them to do. It was clear that they were to send them out. And understand, these are two guys that they love, that had been with the church for a year. They love Barnabas and Saul. But they realized that God had some special work for these two men to do. And so they lay their hands on them and send them on their way. This was the beginning of Paul's missionary journeys. And notice that this work was not, this work was God's idea. Right? It didn't come about from some evangelism strategy planning session. Not that those are bad, all right, but but God is the one who in, is initiating this. And we see all throughout the book of Acts, as, as followers of Jesus come together and seek the Lord and worship him and, and fast and pray. God reveals his plans and he opens doors. And all of this grew out of a time of worship, prayer, and fasting. There's an old book in the early 1900s by E.M. Bounds, Power Through Prayer, and he says this. He says, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Spirit can use Men of prayer, men mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods but through men. He does not come on machinery but on men. He does not appoint plans but men, men of prayer. This was written quite a while ago, so we absolutely add in women. God uses men and women, He does not anoint plans but men and women, people of prayer worship prayer and fasting was their secret sauce it was the engine that powered this church it's what opened their ears to hear the voice of the lord the voice of god it's what stirred a craving an appetite for more of god they would deny themselves food so that they would be more in tune and hungry for the word of god they ministered to the lord and then the holy spirit spoke and before rushing to send these two dearly loved brothers in the Lord away, they prayed and they fasted some more. Like, is this really the word of the Lord, or is this because I haven't eaten in two days? You know, let's, let's, let's pray about this even some more. Love it. Their default posture was prayer. Constant communication with the Lord who can do all things. And I have to tell you, I have experienced this in profound ways so far here at PFC. I've experienced this. It is why, it's why we start our various meetings here at this church with ministry to the Lord. We recognize and we call out the goodness of our God together. We acknowledge that we need God every step of the way. In fact, we don't want to take another step or make another decision or move on to another agenda item unless the Lord is present and directs us to do so. It's why our elder team is starting to read a book by Keith Yoder called Presence based leadership. It was a recommendation from Scott Newcomer. We're going to start discussing that together. Present based leadership. It's why we have Friday morning men's prayer. At first, I'm like, I'm not getting up that early on a Friday morning. But I'm so glad I did last Friday. We were in the house of prayer just going after it, praying for our city, praying for our teachers, praying for our schools, praying for our city officials, praying for those with addictions. It's why ladies gather on Zoom on Tuesdays and pray together. It's why discipleship groups meet a couple of nights a week to study the Word together, to pray together. By the way, stay tuned for some vision and information about some new small groups coming up later this fall. It's why Brandon gathers folks right out here in the conference room at 9 a.m. for prayer. Or as some of you call it, it's the pretty room, not the conference room. It's a pretty room out there. It's why he's out there right now praying. It's why in the next couple of weeks there will be someone or a couple praying and interceding during during our 10 a.m. worship service. It's why there's an active PFC prayer chain here. And and thanks to Deb for, for sending those emails out. Every week, two or three emails go out. And we receive those in our email and we stop and we pray for people, pray for you and the requests that are mentioned. And by the way, if you're if you're not hooked up to that prayer chain and would like to become part of that prayer chain, all the information's in your bulletin this morning. You can get signed up for that and receive those prayer requests and, and, and pray and be a part of our prayer chain here at PFC. If you need prayer, even if you're on the prayer chain and you need prayer, there's a way to, to, to communicate that, and that information's in the bulletin. It's why in recent meetings, um, and I really appreciate this about DJ, um, once in a while, he'll just like, you know, say, hey, time out. Let's stop and pray. You know, we're, we're talking about something and maybe there's something feels funky or there's some tension in the room or, or we're just like hitting a wall. We, like we don't know what to do. Things are unclear. And DJ's been helping us say, okay, let's just stop and let's pray. Really appreciate that. It's why a few of us huddled up this morning before worship practice. Right over here, Jared and Dave, Kurt, DJ and I, and we just prayed. Here at PFC, we are a people following Christ who worship, who fast and pray. And we're doing it. But I, I sense God saying to all of us this morning, hey, there are some that are doing it. There are a few. But I want more. I want more participation from PFC. I want like everyone in this room, from front to the back, from the left to the right, to be all in on this prayer thing. Don't just leave it to a few of the prayer warriors in the church. I want everybody going after it in prayer and worship and in fasting. I want PFC to be a church that is hungry and craving to hear the voice of God, the voice of God speak. I wonder if God is sometimes saying, you know, Maybe I have a word for you, but no one seems to care. No one seems to listen. I think God wants us to be uh, people who, who listen, who, who worship and fast and pray, even when life is okay. I think God sometimes gets tired of like our, our 911 prayers, Right? Like, we are desperate to hear from God because we're in a desperate situation in our lives. You know, so then we finally, you know, get serious about hearing from God. Friends, this was the church in Antioch. And this is why they were able to give all they could to help starving folks in Judea. This is why they were able to commission and and say goodbye to two dearly loved brothers in, in the Lord and set them out on incredible missionary journeys This is why people were turning to God and lives were being transformed and changed. This is why they were able to handle conflict and honor Christ during these times of conflict. This is why they were able to come together as such a diverse group of people. I mean, Jews and Gentiles, people from Africa, people from other regions, like Republicans and Democrats worshiping together. What? You know, this is why that was able to happen, because they worshiped. They fasted, they prayed. And friends, it was evident to some godly people through a recent discernment process. You remember, you probably filled out some uh, questions at the end of last year, the beginning of this year. You may have met with some folks. And their sense, and our sense, as staff and as an elder team and regional leaders is that God is calling PFC to act like the church in Antioch in these same ways. PFC will continue to grow in these areas of worship, fasting, and prayer. But it starts with you. It starts with everyone being on board and doing this. So I missed a bunch of pictures, but there's my picture of fasting, okay? And there we go. Oh, I missed that one too. All right, that was a beautiful picture. Um, Antioch's model for ministry, I think the application is very, very clear. Not simple, but it's clear to us today. First of all, we need to seek God's presence. Tend to God's presence through prayer or through worship and service, right? That means when you're driving around in the car on 422, means that while you're going to class, walking around campus, that you are worshiping, you are, you know, you just say, okay, I'm going to call out for the next five minutes, I'm going to call out all the things I know are true about you, Jesus, and you just start calling them out. Like today, like we learned in the Sunday school class, he is my shield, just call it out. Call out his goodness. Then be desperate for God even in non-desperate times through fasting. You want to you like clean out your ears a little bit? Deny yourself something physical for a season, for a time, for a spiritual purpose. Deny yourself something physical so that you can crave and, and have a, a bigger appetite for the things of the Lord. Doesn't always have to be food, but sometimes it is. Food has a way of like messing with us. You know, do it, do it at a, a spot where it's okay if you're hangry, you're like, I'm doing it for the Lord. Uh, <laughs> right? But like, that self-discipline, denying yourself so that you can hear from God. And then my third point is pray, 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 and pray. Pray, pray some more. Keep on praying. Keep this. Constant dialogue with the God of the universe, the God who's able to do all things. Talk to him. Pray, pray, pray. So Heavenly Father, as the worship team comes back up to lead us out in a closing song this morning, we, uh, and it's a good one, this song, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, reminds us of times where we just get this really wrong right we 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 think that we've got it all figured out or we don't need God or we get lazy in our spiritual disciplines we get busy like Blake was talking about like we get back to our normal routines of school and sports and homework and and all of our responsibilities and we lose that time we lose that connection with Jesus and we, we so desperately need that this song says oh what peace we often forfeit What needless pain we bear, all because we, you know it, right? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Lord, may we be a church, may Pia be a church family that is going hard after these things that the church in Antioch went hard after. That we are people that worship, that minister to you. It's not about us, it's all about you. You are worthy of it all, Jesus. We are people that fast, we Put some spiritual disciplines in our lives so that we can hear more from you, Jesus. And we pray. We pray some more. And we keep on praying. What a friend we have in you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for speaking. And it's not something that you did 2,000 years ago, you are still speaking today. If we only have ears to hear. We only put ourselves in a spot like Evan did where he's worshiping and going after you in worship. Those are the times when we can hear from him in profound ways. We heard on Friday there were people praying for Evan. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for being our friend and for listening to us when we pray. Hope us to be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.